Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there, sorry for the slight delay. Here we are. Uh, it is uh, July 23rd, it's a Thursday, and uh, as usual, quite a bit to talk about. Good heavens. Uh, I was sitting here uh, scrolling, thinking trolling, scrolling. If you stop and think about it, just about a few years ago, those two verbs trolling and scrolling would not have had the same meaning to actually would have no meaning to me. I wouldn't have known what do you mean trolling and what do you mean scrolling? I don't know. Um, Jeez, everything's changing so much. Anyway, I was scrolling, not trolling through Twitter. And I came upon a few things that I thought were good. Um, One uh, driven him to it. Uh, He's just enraged. He is in a total. uh, I mean, I'm I'm reading his tweets. You got to worry about his health because I mean, somebody. It's like he could just explode. I mean, and his he's very bright and articulate in his rage but boy there's a rant here that you know i agree with every word of it but i'm i'm glad this is coursing through his chemical uh chemical self uh releasing all the all the the bad chemicals that'll shorten his life because reading it i don't get quite the same reaction I'm sorry if I'm not being eloquent. Listen to him. He says, speaking of Portland, this is not law enforcement. We are witnessing state-ordered violence being loosed on the citizens of our constitutional republic. This is an outrage in a nation of the people, by the people, for the people. The mission of these men is not to secure the peace. Their objective is to spread chaos and incite fear. This is Trump's rolling Reichstag fire. This is about one thing and one thing only. It is about his failing re-election campaign and his looming repudiation at the hands of the American people who have suffered terribly under his incompetence malfeasance, ineptitude, and stupidity. Stupidity. Excuse me, I got it. 142,000 Americans are dead, and many more will perish from the Trump virus that could have been controlled as it has been in every other advanced country. The American economy is shattered and Trump prepared to burn everything down, is prepared. We have arrived at an hour of profound crisis in this country. Make no mistake about it. American liberty is under threat, siege, and assault. Before the electoral repudiation of the Trump regime and its cowardly congressional enablers in 2018, Trump employed the world's most powerful military force to the southern border to fight an imaginary caravan of desperate refugees and migrants. It was a type of performance porn for the right-wing media that serves as his... uh, I don't have the rest of that... The migrants were turned into some type of invading panzer division by right-wing media that now tries to tell us that unarmed moms are a threat. The actions we are witnessing are an escalation from what has come before. 
The winking attorney general of the United States has assumed the role of America's first interior minister. In essence, he is America's first thug now. Chad Wolf, the acting Secretary of Homeland Security, is a former Hill staffer and lobbyist with no law enforcement background or training. He is as profoundly unqualified as Kushner and Ivanka for life and death responsibilities. He is utterly unconfirmable and has no business in his job. Okay, he goes on and on. I mean, he's just getting started. But, yeah, you can't argue with, uh, with any of it. Um, okay. Can I share another one with you that actually makes uh, Schmidt look uh, optimistic? <laughs> Jesus. I'm telling you, this is what happens when people are forced to watch this, as he called it, rolling Reichstag fire, you know, in their line of work. And it's hard to take in and not arrive at a frightening conclusion. And here is a tweet from uh, author Kurt Eichenwald. And I've never seen him, this pessimistic guy. He says, I fear the United States is irreparable. Leave conservative media and the GOP created an alternate reality that left millions of Americans consumed by fantasy and conspiracies I believe they are lost in rage, addiction, and ignorance. I fear the insanity that brought Trumpism is here for good. Yep. That's my fear, too, as you know. We can show Trump the door uh, in November, but there are these tens of millions of Americans who, by virtue of their diet of right-wing radio and Fox News and the GOP and Trump, have now been brainwashed into this uh, ignorant enraged and fearful group of Americans who are uh, like sheep. I mean, it's scary. It, I, t- tell me that ain't scary. That's scary. <clears throat> Here's a tweet by Adam Schiff making fun of the president's uh, uh, talking Uh, about his uh, cognitive test in which he just aced it. I mean, they said no one had ever, ever, ever done as good. Brilliant. If you haven't seen that, look it up. There was a president saying because he can remember to say person, woman, man, camera, TV, that he's a genius. And he kept repeating these. He would wait, and then he would say, yes. And then I could just, when asked, out of the blue, again, what were those words? I just, no problem, person, woman, man, camera, TV. Genius. So obviously a lot of people are having a lot of fun with that. Adam Schiff, who doesn't strike me as somebody who has a lot of fun ever, um, of course doesn't have fun with it. He says this, we are all greatly comforted that the president can remember and comprehend the words person, woman, man, camera, TV. But it's these five words we wish he could understand. Honesty, duty, country, compassion, decency. Schiff is always the sort of, (laughs) the scold, you know, 
I don't mean I don't I don't mean to disparage him. He's a, obviously an honorable uh, man whose whose rage, unlike uh, Steve Schmidt's, you know, takes a, a much more is is vented in a much more controlled uh, matter manner. Um, okay, just one more one more tweet I I saw in the last few minutes. And this is uh, from a guy I follow called T-Pain, and um, he just has this, for those of us who don't understand what MAGA means, um, or how the MAGA works. If you're a Make America Great Again person, here is how you define the American dream. American dream is synonymous with White's rule. Western civilization. What does that mean? White's rule. When you hear them say law and order, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. White's rule. And for that matter, with their catch-all phrase, make America great again. What does that mean? White, whites rule, right? There it is. Well, I've seen that uh, Joe Biden is seems to be talking more. I don't know, but, uh, you know, we got to... I couldn't believe this when I saw it. Um... Biden uh, says uh, this, we've had racists and they've existed. They've tried to get elected president. Trump's the first one that has. What? What? Joe? Joe, dear God. Uh, Joe, I hate to tell him this, uh, but I would, I would hazard to guess that the vast majority of American presidents have been racist, right? I mean, it's almost the definition of, uh, American, um, let alone someone who would rise to that level where their fellow Americans would elect them in the first place. Yeah, of course, racist. You think Trump is the first racist in the White House? Jeez, Joe. So, just something I thought was uh, better left unsaid, since it just doesn't make any sense. So speaking of racism, I I happened to... uh, finally watch uh, a piece I'd been intending to uh, on Netflix. Um, and uh, it it's features James Baldwin, the great um, author, thinker, American, who couldn't stand this country after a while, living in it as a black man, and ran to France and and then came back when he felt he needed to make a stand again. But if you haven't watched um, this piece, I I really heartily recommend it. I am not your Negro is the title. I am not your Negro. And I was watching it the other night and Excuse me. He was so effortlessly eloquent, it seems. You know, when I think, often I think, you know, I have to talk off the top of my head, yabbity, 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 yeah. And every once in a while, something, you know, coherent might slip out. 
But if you're just talking off the top of your head, the odds are you're not going to be talking in necessarily well-constructed uh, sentences that pick just the right words that, uh, you know, cohere from, you know, the, the first to the second to the third, you know, building a, a case, uh, you know, it, that in order to do, I always said, if you're a writer, you have the luxury of sitting and making sure that you are saying exactly what you want to say and as well as you can say it. I've always fallen back on that for explaining why I sometimes seem totally incoherent. If I could just write all this down, <laughs> I'd be much more eloquent. But James Baldwin, as I watched him and his appearances on uh, like the Dick Cavett show um, and, and other interviews, man, this is a writer who, when he was just bang on the spot, talking off the top of his brilliant head, would speak so eloquently and so often with this barely, barely contained rage and contempt. And I, in the course of this documentary, I am not your Negro. There is a clip of him on the Dick Cavett show. And I am watching him and just being blown away. And then he says something. And I thought, wait, 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 I got to wait, I got to hear that again. And thank God, you know, thank God for pause buttons and rewinds. And and I went back and I had to write it down. And I have since writing it down become, I, I mean, I'm sort of, I keep it out um, on my coffee table because I, I read it every once in a while. It had such an impact on me um, when I first heard it and pressed that pause button. So I'm going to read my, my scribbled uh, transcript of it to you. This is James Baldwin speaking off the top of his head on uh, the Dick Cavett show. And I'm not clear at what the year is. It's sometime in the 60s. Okay. And they're talking about being black in America or Negro, as it was then. And Baldwin says this, there are days when you wonder what your role is in this country and what your future in it could be how it is that you're going to reconcile yourself to your situation here, how you're going to communicate to the vast, heedless, unthinking, cruel, white majority that you are here. I'm terrified at the moral apathy the death of the heart, which is happening in my country. These people have deluded themselves so long that they really don't think I'm human. Now, back then, in the 60s, his saying this, was, wow. Because I got to tell you, the white audience who heard him say this was immediately, at best, defensive. 
and at worst filled with outrage that this black man would call them heedless, unthinking, cruel, morally apathetic, having suffered the death of the heart. And he is so right on the money. And he goes on to say of white America, they've become moral monsters. And they're still here. We're still here. Some of us are, have, I'm terrified at what is happening in my country. That even as he explains that he is not even seen as human, he somehow is still willing to see this. country. Of us who cannot see how endemic and systemic the racism of this is and how it affects and impacts black and brown people on a daily basis, a multi-time-a-daily basis, then we truly are. Morally apathetic. Moral monsters. Anyone who doesn't see it, who can't make that that effort because it makes them uncomfortable. It makes them feel bad. They feel falsely accused somehow. I didn't do that. (laughs) It's just astonishing to me how many Americans who've lived their lives with the privilege of white skin that white skin bestows cannot see it. Even if you've lived at the bottom of the barrel and had a rough life, that white skin of yours made it still an easier an easier trip than if you were born in black skin. And I was watching Dave Chappelle, another brilliant black man who offends a lot of people. I mean, so there are things he says that I get, you know, wow, I don't fucking <laughs> But I love him. I just love him. I think he's incredible. But he was talking about You know, we never think of this, white folks. How white people just have an easier road. He said, how come, Dave Chappelle, why was it easier, amazingly easier for Bruce Jenner to become a woman to change his gender. Let me say exactly what he said. Why is it, was it easier for Bruce Jenner to change his gender than it was for Muhammad Ali to change his name?
Now, that's not the kind of thing I would never, I would never have put those two things together. But if you've got the kind of wondrous brain that Dave Chappelle has, yeah, there it is. Bruce Jenner had a much, oh my God, much easier time becoming a woman in front of America's eyes than Cassius Clay, a black man, had saying, I want, I'm changing my name to Muhammad Ali. And if you've never seen the great documentary, I believe it's called Say My Name about Ali. I uh, recommend that to you as well. Uh Roger writes, good morning, Lynn, if they exist anymore. All right. Talk about words and their change of context. He's responding to my trolling and scrolling thing. Think about how we wear masks in banks (laughs) and swipe things like credit cards. Text is now a verb. In the movie Jumanji, a young man who's gotten stuck in time in the 90s was having a conversation with a modern-day teenager, and she was talking so much about missing her phone that he asked, does phone mean something different in 20 years? I guess I'm getting old. Well, you know, we get old very fast now. Uh, My son, who's not even 30, was mentioning something like this the other day. And of course, because I am old as hell, I can't remember the exact thing, but it made me laugh because he was already noting that he feels old in listening and watching people just, you know, 10 years younger than him or five years younger. And it's true where things are changing so fast. Oh my, there ain't no way to uh, to catch up. So, let's see. I want to take a, a moment to uh, say something. Um, I, I do recall um, saying something about uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg when we heard that she had been hospitalized, but before we had heard that her excuse me, pancreatic cancer has apparently spread to her liver. And um, this is a death sentence. There's no doubt about it. And she's been undergoing chemo and uh, was before we knew it. And all of this in an effort, of course, to stave off the inevitability of the cancer taking her life. And I had said before I knew what this was, that I have always thought of her as such an indomitable, uh, brave and tough woman. Inside that tiny little body, she can't weigh 100 pounds. And I said, I think knowing how important it is that she stay above ground till this election, and frankly, with this crowd, till January 20th, that somehow she's going to, by just dint of her amazing will face down this spreading cancer this killer and the minute it is safe for the country she'll die 
I mean, that's my prayer. That's my prayer. And for those of you who do pray, please, please keep her constantly in your prayers. Someone wrote the other day this, she is the embodiment of all that we believe is good about this country, of all that has been worth fighting for. The thought of losing that fight is as tragic as losing a beloved grandmother, the one who holds the family together. Stay safe, Justice Ginsburg. Help us get through this. The burden on those little shoulders. We have a call. Caller, hi. Yes, good morning, Lynn. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm okay. Okay. Hey, Lynn, uh, you got me thrown off my, my train of thought here. First of all, in, ter- in terms of uh, Judge Ginsburg, or Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, she's a fierce lion. Yeah. She's, she's indomitable. I mean, right, I have, I'm a 60-year-old man who couldn't even tie her shoes. So Have you far. seen her work out? Have you seen her physical workouts? Um, her mental attributes are beyond. So her, I mean, her mental strength. Yeah. Man, almost 60-year-old man. We have that. I still... It's incredible. It's, you know what's the craziest thing, Lynn? The guy across my street, literally lives across the street from me. He works at the medical marijuana store. So yesterday, I buy marijuana. He sold me my marijuana. So literally, my neighbor across the street works for the marijuana store. And, and so 10 years ago, he would have been arrested for that, or five years ago, or whatever, three, four years ago. Now, I can just go into the store, literally pick whatever I want. And from, you know, all the different flavors <clears throat> and all the different effects. And at the time, you'll see what I like about the two about the medical marijuana. <clears throat> kind of custom tailor, custom tailorize the medicine to suit yourself. Because right. who knows yourself better than yourself? Right. Okay. So, you know, doctors know things about you exterior to you, but you know yourself better than, than anyone else. So, therefore, you're able to isolate and determine what you need to give you fulfillment. And and I think that the the way it's done is, is a, it's a nice program. It's a great You program. know, it's interesting because my sister, I was talking to Susan yesterday, and she was trying to help a woman whose uh, husband has a debilitating and um, fatal disease that could, where he would get a relief, absolute relief uh, from marijuana. But Wisconsin, where this woman is, does not even have medical marijuana. And Susan was trying to tell her how she could go into Illinois and what she would right. do. And right. But the fact that people – and Susan was so angry that this, that this, um, this drug that she knows – can be so beneficial. She it helped her husband when he was dying of of lung cancer. It helped keep his appetite going so that he could he would eat. It it did so many things to make his last uh months uh bearable. And and that this it depends on where you live whether yeah. or not you have access to either uh, you have access to it and if you don't live in one of those places then you are a criminal you know subject to arrest so, which is i don't know crazy it, yeah it, and and Pennsylvania was, we're like this old stogies here i can't believe i still can't believe when i go into the store i tell them that Pennsylvania – we're the Republican, Republican old gerrymandered state. I'm surprised <laughs> that they did it. Well, they they probably did it for the money. They probably did it for the money. Um, Susan was telling me that in Illinois, there's a 45 percent sales tax, and people pay it. 
and people pay it. And, and however, if you're in California, where Susan has been, sure. marijuana there, then this is recreational. Marijuana sure. there is incredibly affordable. Sure. And you know, a better quality. And then you go to Illinois and you pay a lot more. So, you know, I mean, all of this is nuts. Well, they have an ab- too much in California. They would have to almost throw it out because they had abundance of too much producers. And, and the demand, they've been doing it so long, it was not new. See, Pennsylvania, is, they're having a problem with demand. They have a problem with flower demand. Well, that's they what they are flour. in Illinois, too. The demand everywhere is, is so much greater than the supply. Yeah. Well, it's kind of made up, too, though, because think about this. We could produce, but they want to keep it that way. You don't want to get your demand. You don't want to have your supply too much because it'll drive the prices. So we've got to have it for seeds. <laughs> demand because otherwise it doesn't keep the prices up. Yeah, but right. And what is this all about, alleviating suffering or making money for a few people? Well, you know what the bottom line is. I hate to say this is a ladder, but that's I'm not going to get into or the, the okay. ladder. Yes, it's money. But – However, another additional benefit of the three years, at least of I've seen in the program, the quality is getting much better. Okay, you can, they can mm-hmm. really fine tuning it down, like I said before, in terms of getting the medicine that you need, particularly to the strains or to a particular mm-hmm. medicine. Mm-hmm. Getting to the point now where they're fine tuning it mm-hmm. to the point where certain strains or certain will give you the certain benefits. You'll know your you know, after a while. You'll know what certain strange you're going to prefer and which companies that's another thing you see different companies each of them trying to they're all essentially selling the same product but they're selling trying to each trying to position themselves in the marketplace so yeah. i try to i find it fascinating new people coming into the marketplace trying to get to go on to the african-american community the black community who still have so many of their uh sons and fathers uh rotting in prison for selling marijuana. Well, of course. We've done it again. Oh, well, You've done it again. So. <laughs> I mean, of course. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, I got to run, too. I do. I'm, I'm looking at my clock, and I got to run. But thank you. We're talking to you, Ms. Lynn. Talk to you. Bye-bye. Now. Always. Bye. Bye-bye. So I, when I was talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and hoping she stays alive, uh, Barbara sent me this. It's a It's a video, but I can – let me just play a little of it. It's called Hang on Ruthie. Well, you can imagine. Let's see what we got here. Hey! I think I know this one. Ruthie, hang on.
All right, all right, all right. I don't know what that was. All right. Um, hang on, Ruthie. Oh, God almighty. Okay. What else I got here? I got lots of stuff. So the House voted to move uh, statues of uh, racists. The House... 72 Republicans in the House voted for this bill. Which is amazing. And now it'll go on to the Republican-controlled Senate of Mitch McConnell, who has uh, already said he ain't even going to let it get to a vote. He says uh, this is a decision that should be left to the states. Oh, there you go. States' rights again. Uh, here, he remembers states' rights <laughs> all of a sudden. Oh, yeah, that's what we're for, we Republicans. Because uh, each state gets to pick two people to have these uh, representing their states um, in, the, in the Capitol. Uh, states' rights when it suits your purposes, when, of course, uh, you got federal troops uh, terrorizing uh, American citizens in America's cities, uh, not so much. Uh, but they're going to pull down, thank God, uh, Chief Justice uh, uh, Roger Taney. He was uh, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court um, when the Dred Scott uh, decision came down. And Dred Scott, if you if you do not know, uh, decided that uh, black people, slaves at the time, were not American citizens. They didn't even think they were wholly human. They were not American citizens, and they could not sue in our courts. They had no standing, no recourse. And uh, this guy who presided over that court, for all I know, I think wrote the decision um, in the Dred Scott case. He um, he has been honored for you know for so many, 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 many years in our nation's capital, and that's an offense. As uh, Congress, as Representative Barbara Lee uh, said yesterday, it's past time that we end the glorification of men who committed treason against the United States in a concerted effort to keep African Americans in chains. Um, Actually, it's wonderful. Steny Hoyer uh, authored the bill and and he specifically says that when we take Taney down, we are replacing him with Thurgood Marshall, who also served on the U.S. Supreme Court, the first black to serve on the Supreme Court. Now, some states have already started to rethink who they've got representing them. I don't know who Pennsylvania has there. Um, Arkansas, Arkansas, believe it or not, already had uh, has begun to move to replace one of their, you know, total white supremacists who is um, representing Arkansas in the in the capital, a guy named Clark. And they're replacing him with, get this, Johnny Cash. (laughs) Oh, God. You know, and it was a few years back that um, in her capacity as a speaker that Nancy Pelosi, um, I can't remember how many years, this is a few years ago, that she... uh, removed, ordered Robert E. Lee uh, removed from what's called Statuary Hall. And she put um, in his place a statue of Rosa Parks. Now, 
you know, over time, these things uh, matter. You know, they matter. You can say they're just little things. Yeah, little things, but little things. But if we want to say this no longer represents the nation that we aspire to be, we're not going to uh, give such places of honor to these horrible men when there are so many other Americans who stand for what we hope as a nation we stand for. And those people should be the ones who are so honored. Um, hang on a minute, dear. So, Chuck, what you write here? Chuck says, regarding Ginsburg, let's not forget that Obama, oh yeah, nominated Merrick Garland for Associate Justice of the Supreme Court to succeed Scalia, and Obama was denied his right to replace Scalia. Republican Senate leaders, McConnell, declared that because Scalia's seat had become vacant during an election year, the Senate would not even consider a nomination from the president. Should we lose Ginsburg before November, you can bet they will change the rule. Oh, absolutely. Chuck, they already have. Um, McConnell, I believe, and more than McConnell, have already said they, if Ginsburg dies, if a vacancy occurs before November, for that matter, I believe they said they would even if Trump gets voted out in the lame duck period, that three month period between, uh, you know, between the election and the inauguration of the winner, uh, that they would do it then. I doubt that even for this bunch that, but you would have the Senate that would then vote on that nomination <clears throat> would be full of Republican senators who have lost as well, who are lame ducks and who are to be replaced by Democrats if this election goes as we intend it. Um, and that would be unconscionable. But since when does unconscionable uh, prevent Republicans from action? But she by sh- absolutely has to stay alive till the election. Because even if she dies, God help us, in October... They will replace her in a blink of an eye with someone who's probably 12 years old. Hey, baseball season starts today. And I was looking forward to the Blue Jays, the Toronto Blue Jays, using PNC Park. So we'd have like two lousy teams. Are the Blue Jays lousy? I think, maybe. To root for But that ain't going to happen because the governor said that ain't going to happen. And he did it uh, because um, Pittsburgh is right now a uh, a bit of a hot spot, aren't we? And we don't need people coming in from other places. And it's sad, but, you know, the rules got to apply, whether baseball or whatever. So anyway, uh, we have more callers, so let's get back to the phones. Hi, how you doing? Hey, Hello? Um, yeah, hi. How you doing? I'm okay. I have a statue of Jefferson Day. Good for Absolutely. them. Absolutely. The capital yeah. of the 
Confederacy. Right. They finally got rid of that guy. Yeah. Standing is. They still have a big statue of Robert E. Lee there that they can't touch because who owns it? Somebody else. It's on state land or federal land or something, something. But the ones that they have, you know, the power to get rid of, that the city has the power to get, they have, they've done it, which is amazing. I had meant to, when Sally Wigan was on, I had meant to talk to her about that and then forgot to because she uh, she grew up in Richmond and uh, knows it well and couldn't wait to get the hell out, frankly. <laughs> it might explain a few things. Yeah, well, she was a Yankee and her father was transferred uh, down there to work and she always, her family always felt like they didn't belong there. Now, I took a tour through that city one time on one of them little buses. Mm-hmm. We've lost you. I don't know what happened. You're not on the phone anymore. Up there? No, you just got real quiet. I, I can't hear you. I don't know why. I'm going to have to let you go because I can't. Oh, there you are. Okay. No, you're gone again. I'm sorry. I'm going to let you go. Because I, I don't know what, if it's you, me, or whatever. I can't hear you. Thank you, though, for that, because I had wanted to mention it. Thank you. Um, and we have another caller. Can we try to see if we can hear that caller? Hello? Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. I, I, real quick, my neighbor always says about the uh, Republican Party and those evangelists, People, they always they're good at picking out the Bible and the, the Constitution have something in common. They pick out what they like out of it and they'll right. recite it. But when it's uh, something they don't like, they just completely ignore it. And that's what they do with state rights. Same thing as they do with the Bible. They won't read something else. They only read what suits their uh, agenda. Right. He says that all the time. Well, it's true. You cherry pick. That's right. That's always that's what they do. I think that's what all of us do, don't we? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Right, thank thank you. you. Thank you. Appreciate Bye. it. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, so, um says here that because of a national <coughs> backlog um, that has stymied efforts, uh, by health, public health agencies to battle the pandemic, the FDA uh, on Saturday granted Quest Diagnostics, which is, you know, doing a lot of these tests, reading them, um, has given Quest emergency authorization to conduct what's called specimen pooling. And that is a procedure that permits the lab to screen a large number of specimens. And if the pool tests negative, all the individuals in that pool are diagnosed negative. Does that work? Really? Uh... I mean, Quest is saying they've got a two-week lag right now. They get a test, and it's taken them two weeks. And they say this is because of the surge from the south and southwest and the west. And uh, get this, in March, uh, Quest performed about 400,000 tests in the entire month of March, 400,000. July? 8.3 8.3 million and counting. So, I don't know. It says Pitt is, uh, you know, they're going to have this staggered thing where students will have to uh, quarantine for a week before showing up and then a week after they show up before they can attend classes in person. 
they start coming in uh, on August 11th. The university intends to test uh, 400 students a day and have the results within 24 hours because they're partnering with UPMC. Um, and students who test positive will be able to live in separate isolation facilities. Oh, God. I have to tell you, if I were a parent, I would not. I just, I just think we're nuts. I do. I, I mean, and the fact that Pittsburgh is a hot spot right now. Um, so I just don't know if we won't let the Toronto Blue Jays come in to play a home game. Uh, why would we allow all these students coming back from God knows where and congregating in Oakland? I mean, this is how our response to this has just been nonsensical. Nonsensical. It, you know, they do one thing that I see, yeah, okay, that makes some sense. And then they do something else that makes no sense to me. I just... I don't get it. I'm just saying, I don't get it. And as we saw yesterday with the hospitalization, and the I never saw a day that had eight deaths. Um, and when we're seeing that now, um, this is craziness to think we're reopening. Seriously. I'm just hoping here to see if I can get, yeah, I do have it. Okay, let me get the numbers for today. Dear God in heaven. 147 new cases. That continues. The new cases continue to go down. That's good. Hospitalizations, 15 new in the last 24 hours. That's high again. And two additional deaths. So the hospitalizations and deaths are going to be going up and the new cases are going down, which shows that the, the mitigation efforts that have been put back in place, uh, the closing down of bars. And uh, I, I, I just, we're nuts. And then I suppose as soon as we get it down, we'll just open up again and just start another, because we don't, we lack the fortitude and the seriousness and the, I don't know, the smarts to to take this on. I don't get it. Anyway, I guess we're out of time. And I had so much else to talk about. Oh, well. Hey, thanks for uh, being there. Thanks for your contributions. And... um I hope you have a safe and uh, and good uh, three days until I see you again, okay? Uh, so, be well. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.